Welcome back to the Tape Store, everyone. This is Toby. And this is Brooke. We were made in the 80s. And played in the 90s. And this has actually been an episode that I've been looking forward to. <laughs> I have been looking forward to this. Right, right. I have a lot to say. <clears throat> oh, dear. Some good, some not so great. That's okay. But of course, this is the 90s. There's plenty to celebrate being a 90s kid with this movie here. Yes. 1991's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze which is a direct sequel to 1990's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Right. And if you haven't checked it out, we we did do that. We covered that last year. Was it last year? Yes, we did. So if you want to check that out, you can kind of comb through our archives and listen to it. We covered that in season one, which we do by years, as we talked about. I think we talked about that. Yes, we have. Last week. We did. We go from October 31st to October 31st. That is considered a season at the tape store, or a year. Yes. <laughs> Let's see. April 9th. Okay. Yeah, episode number 25. Interesting. It's like same same time of year. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it was around that time. But this is actually an important... The date is important, especially with this one, because uh, this film was released, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze, was released on March 22nd, 1991. So this week it turns 30. Or next week, rather. Yeah. Next week, yeah, March twenty second. March twenty second is the day before my birthday. We're we're yep. We're going right around. So we we wanted to we wanted this episode to hit right around that time yes. that this episode turns thirty. This movie was directed by Michael Pressman. We're going to talk a little bit about the director. We're also going to talk a little bit about Steve Barron, who directed the first film. Right. This movie, Ninja Turtles Two, was written by Todd W. Langen or Langen. If I'm saying that wrong, I'm sorry. Right. Uh, he he also wrote the first film with Bobby Herbick. This film, Todd W. Langen, or Langen, wrote on his own. So Bobby Herbeck wrote with him the first movie. The second movie, it gotcha. was just it was just Langen or Langen. <coughs> this movie stars Paige Turco as April O'Neil, David Warner, English actor. He's a great actor, by the way. David Warner. We've seen him in other stuff. Oh yeah, Tron. Yeah, he later was, on yeah, Titanic. I yeah. always remember him as the mean guy from Titanic. Yeah, David Warner was Sark in, yeah, in yeah. Tron. Great, great movie. Great villain. Yeah, he's good in all the things. Yeah, he's really good, really good. He plays Dr. Jordan Perry. Ernie Reyes Jr. is in it. Francois Chow as the Shredder. And of course we'll we'll probably revisit that. Okay. Kevin Kevin Nash is in this movie, and we'll talk about how he's in this movie a little later. Toshishiro Obata makes his return as Master Tatsu. And Kevin Clash returns as well as Master Splinter. He right. was the voice and the the puppeteer right. for Splinter. He also did Elmo, Kevin Clash. He's really good. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, cool. The Ninja Turtles, Brian Tochi returns as Leonardo. Robbie Rist returns as Michelangelo. Adam Carl played Donatello. He replaced Corey Feldman. Yeah. Last year, who was dealing with some legal troubles during the during this film. Gotcha. So he was replaced by Adam Carl. And, you know, you really do miss Corey Feldman. Yeah, you know, I do. I do. Legal troubles aside, he was great as Donatello in the first film, so you do miss him yeah. in this film. I mean, Adam Carl, you know, he, he, did, he a did good great. He did a good job, but, you know, again, w- when you're replacing someone who established a role, it's That's b- tough. It, oftentimes it's big shoes that you're filling. Laurie Faso, which is um, Raphael, right. he replaced Josh Pice, or Pace, P-A-I-S, mm-hmm. And I did a little reading about uh, 
Josh Pace or Pice mm-hmm. uh, as Raphael in the first film, he was really claustrophobic. Phobic. Oh, he did not like the suit. I don't know if that had to do with the second film or not, but uh, Raphael was replaced with, with Laurie Faso. This movie, and I, I'm going to use a comment from one of our listeners and followers on Instagram that did a uh, that that wrote a comment on one of our posts, which was, "I like this movie." I think he said. But boy, did it take a turn. Yes, yes. And what's interesting is, that's exactly what I wrote in the notes when I was preparing you know, for this episode, which was this movie, in comparison to the first one, takes such a sharp turn. It does. So first thing I'm, I want to kind of address is the changing of the guard. We, we have a new director in this movie, Michael Pressman. Okay? I, I want to talk about the first movie because... I love the first movie. Yes, it's great. And the second movie, as a 90s kid, you have the glory of the 90s in the sense that we have the clothes, the jokes, and the fact that it's Ninja Turtles. Yeah, the background music. Oh, the background music screams 90s. You know? yes. As I said, the wardrobe screams 90s, you know, especially when you when you look at, uh, you know, the, the way um, Paige Turco, April O'Neil, her yes. wardrobe, which was really, you know, I, I enjoyed it. It's exactly how I would imagine you know, April O'Neil would dress. Right. Now again, it's it's all the nineties, all the big wardrobe. Everything yes. everything was bigger. Everything's massive. Everything was bigger and exaggerated. And boxy and yeah. it was great. There's also the fact that Vanilla Ice is in this movie. That, yes. th- that you can't ignore that. You can't ignore that, which also gives it the nineties seal. You know, this is this movie came out in the midst of Vanilla Ice's brief window of superstardom before right. <laughs> you know, he became unpopular and kind of you know, he just kind of he kind of fizzled out. Faded into the background. But he was super popular for a while. Yes. Vanilla Ice was. And, and this movie came out right in the middle of it. And kind of him being in the movie, I guess, was just, uh, I guess, another way to beef up yeah, popularity sure. and give it more fuel as a vehicle. for. Well, uh, to be honest, without with, without his presence in the film, it just might not have done as well as it did. Well, maybe as far as, maybe as, far as people going to see it or something. I right. The first movie... We use we always use the term to describe the first movie. Gritty realism. Yes. That gritty realism of the first movie. There's another thing that this movie, uh, that Teenage Mutant Ninja Tur- Turtles 2 is missing. Uh, and that's Elias Codius as, yeah. as Casey Jones. He was great. He was written out of the second movie. There's really no reason for it, it seems. I, maybe, you know, I, I'm sorry I wasn't in that meeting. <laughs> right. <laughs> we don't know all the things. But Elias Codius, is, uh, his portrayal of Casey Jones, he's one of the best parts of the first movie. And that's missing. He's like the Han Solo. Yeah, he really has that movies. vibe. And, and he, he's just, he was key, I think, to making that, that first movie good. Mm-hmm. He, he was a key. Mm-hmm. So that gritty realism, which turned out to actually be kind of a problem i guess because apparently there was a lot of backlash because yeah they felt that oh well it didn't really appeal to kids it seemed too dark Mm. it seemed too gritty Uh, look i was a kid i was 10 years old i had no issue with this first film right i loved that movie i loved it yeah it's one of my favorite movies i want to i want to read a quote from steve barron the director now steve barron is a great director let me tell you a couple of things that he's di- that he's done, uh, mainly in the music video genre. Back when music videos were king, he directed uh, Billie Jean, Michael Jackson, 
He also directed Take On Me by AHA. Yeah. Now, Billie Jean and Take On Me, those are iconic music videos. Yes. He also directed Dire Straits' Money for Nothing music video. Also, again, really popular, influential music videos. Right. This guy was no lightweight. And he proved it when he directed that first Ninja Turtles movie. And this is what he said. He said, I didn't want to do something that was bloody. He's talking about Ninja Turtles movie. Right. I didn't want to watch that film. Funnily enough, Batman came out at the same time. This is Tim Burton's Batman, 89. Right. It was, it was that sort of tone I was already aiming for. The films that I loved, there was a sense of humor, but a sense of peril as well. Yeah. Of real peril. Of grounded peril. Like something that had repercussions for what you did, but had a wonderful sense of fun with it. I was a big fan of Ghostbusters. Same thing. Same thing, yeah. A wonderful sense of fun with real peril. The 90s, 80, really 80s and 90s captured that exact thing that he's talking about, for the most part, so well. He perfectly captured yes. it in the first movie. Yes. And now we have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. We have a new director, Michael Pressman, who is also no lightweight. He has won two Emmy Awards for his work in the 90s. Uh, the TV series Picket Fences, he won two Emmys for that. That was a good show. Now, I was a kid when it came out, but I, I, remember, seeing, that one. I remember seeing a couple episodes of it and being like really drawn into him, even, even being like a, you know, I think I was like maybe 11 or 12, like 13. Mm-hmm. And there was a couple of those episodes that were really good. It had a great cast. had like Tom Skerritt, you know. It was a good cast. Good show. He's worked on Law & Order SVU. Oh, that's my favorite. Right. So good. He's worked on Blue Bloods. Oh, wow. He's okay. worked on Chicago Hope. These are gritty, real shows. Gritty, real. Interesting. What I'm saying is this guy. He should be great at this genre. He could have done yeah. a movie. He could have done a Ninja Turtle sequel, much like the first one. He yeah. could have. It was in his capacity. Mm-hmm. Ball writes this should have been a great film with the grit and realism of the first, but that didn't happen, as our viewer said. On Instagram, this yeah. movie takes a turn. I want to reference. There's a podcast called Turtle Tracks. Nice. Again, Turtle Tracks. Uh, they featured Michael Pressman, where he talks about the movie, and these are a couple things that he said. He was approached because he had made a children's genre sequel, Bad News Bears and Breaking Training. Hmm. Pressman didn't know much about Ninja Turtles, but after being approached, saw the first film, enjoyed it, and felt like he could do something with the story. It had a huge budget because the first one, the first one killed. The first one was made on a budget of a little over $10 million and made a couple hundred million, I believe, at right. the box office. So definitely. Uh, it was killer. Interestingly enough, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 did not do as well at the box office. It did uh, break its, uh, it did break, it broke its budget, but it did not do what the first Ninja Turtles movie did. Just to like let you guys know, just to give you guys a little bit of, um, uh, this is Wikipedia, by the way. Uh, first Ninja Turtles movie, Steve Barron, $13.5 million budget. It made $202 million. Wow. That, that's a phenomenal, that's that's a smash. Yeah. And they made a tremendous amount of money off of that. Looking at the follow-up, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, and also I want to add, the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie was the highest grossing independent film up to that time. Wow, I, yeah. that I did not know. Yeah. It was surpassed in 1999 by the Blair Witch Project. And again, I'm looking, <laughs> look, looking at Wikipedia there. Uh, Teenage and Mutant what Nin- a movie. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 was given a $25 million budget, so double the budget. Right. And it grossed $78.6 million in the U.S. and Canada and $54 million worldwide with rentals. So it did not, it did not surpass 
the first film. Right. I think that says something. It does. It does. Now, Pressman said, again, I'm, I'm just kind of paraphrasing. He talked about when he took over the project that the fact that they wanted to make the second movie lighter was already baked into the cake. He said, look, yeah. they, they already wanted to go that route. Okay. He did say, though, he was happy to go that route. He said he compared it to kind of going a Three Stooges route. That's... Oh, oh and he did it. As you said, you said, oh, he did it. Yeah, he, he nailed that. That's just, that's not like taking a little bit of a turn. That's just like, no. that's the meme that we've all seen where yeah. there's a car driving on the highway and then yes. they take that sharp turn off the exit. Right. Like, that's what they did. They should they just, <laughs> they should just stayed on with what they were doing. <laughs> Which, excuse me, real quick, guys, I'm if I sound awful, it's because I've had a sinus yeah. infection. Don't worry, it's I'm COVID and flu-free. It took the test. Yeah. But I sound like trash, so just bear with me yeah, today. Yeah, bear with us. As I cough and sniffle through this. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. No problem. So, as we said, uh, Pressman said, the director of the second movie, he, he was happy to go that route. And, again, I, I, I just think that this is a problem. You know, The result, unfortunately, was a sharp turn from the gritty realism established in the first film and took the overarching story in a whole new direction, which made its final stop with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3, right. Turtles in Time, which was even worse. <laughs> so here's the thing. <laughs> We're going to celebrate plenty of things in this movie. Yeah, you guys know how we do. We're never just, we never totally bash movies. But when you look at the first Ninja Turtles movie and what it was, I, I, it was like a work of art, I think. It was just so good. <laughs> it was a perfect marriage of the comic book, which is actually really dark, with the cartoon. Which is fun and... But still had that sense of peril. The yeah, cartoon, The cartoon is great. <clears throat> so, you know, I, I wanted to go ahead and get that out of the way. The, <laughs> right. the, I just... I look at this movie as this is a great way to look at, oh, this is a total relic of the 90s. Yes. But in comparison to the first movie, this did, I think, the overarching trilogy a real injustice. The The problem with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, the biggest problem, is not actually the movie itself. It's what it led to, which is the third movie. <laughs> that they brought Elias Codius back for, Oh, but he couldn't save it. Sorry. As great as his Casey Jones was, yeah. and it is, and he's a great actor. Okay, so let's move on. Uh, I want to talk about one more thing that kind of, I think, shifted the tone of this movie, and that's the absence of Judith Hogue. Yeah. Um, she was replaced with a great actress, Paige Turco. She's great. Yeah, I like her in this. But the problem is, again, Hogue was a perfect April. Yeah. I wouldn't say Paige Turco was a perfect April O'Neill. I thought she was good. She was a good replacement. I thought she was a good replacement. But she was a replacement. But she was a replacement. Now, wasn't, wasn't Judith Hogue... A little problematic on set. That is apparently what I've heard. We kind of have read. I don't yeah. want to speak too much about it because I don't know enough about it. But I, but just in interviews, I've read that she was just, for whatever reason. Just I don't know. Difficult. But when I look at the end versus the means, we had a phenomenal performance from her in yeah. that first movie. She just was great. And maybe I don't. If there was any kind of annoyance that she had when she was making that movie, boy, did she ever channel it? Yeah. Into this great performance for sure you know with but without further ado we've spent quite a bit of time kind of talking about i think rightfully some of the issues with this movie uh especially i grew up a huge ninja turtles fan you know my cousin michael got me into it i i, I remember when i first heard about it my um my dad or my mom and dad had brought me over to my grandmother's house that was like hangout central for our family yeah our grandmothers and my cousin was there and i said hey what's going on he goes and he said teenage mutant ninja turtles I said, what is that? And he goes, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? I said, what is it? And he goes, 
let's watch. <laughs> like puts a tape in, like a VHS tape. Oh man! And I watch an episode, and within, I mean, within you were hooked. Oh, we were hooked. We were outside. I had a an old uh, metal door threshold. Oh, that's funny. As Leonardo's katana, <laughs> Michael Michael had a green. Uh, jump rope as uh, and his name was Michael so he's Michelangelo of course and he that is was that <laughs> and that was that and that was my love affair with the Ninja Turtles which still continues to this day so I loved it loved it so I have to talk a little bit about what I think was problematic when I think wh- what a start with that first movie and then to immediately say okay we're just going to take it straight for the iceberg yeah yeah with this second movie but we're also going to enjoy some things you know, this isn't just a total. I don't want to make. I don't a have. Total. I don't have the undying affection for. I mean, I love uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as much as the next person, but I'm right. more like I like it because it was the '90s thing yeah. and blah blah blah. So I, I will, I will help channel the positivity. So <laughs> we open the film, New York City at night. The first film showed New York City, except it was different. It was ominous. It was you know April O'Neil was giving this exposition about about the crime spree and. There's echoes of this Foot Clan, and yeah, and you know. now and now that you mention that about the director, what he said about Batman, it, I'm like he did do a he totally did a Gotham thing. Yeah, he kind of worked from the outside. It was a nice homage to that. Yeah, he worked from you know what Steve Barron did is he worked from the outside. Yeah, in he yes. kind of established the world, and then and then little by little, you know, pulled layers off of you know, and then oh, and there are the turtles, and yeah, it's very masterfully done. Yeah, I and, have and, to say. And in the second movie, they look at it as if like, well, you guys already know the Ninja Turtles are there. Yeah, and you guys already know all that stuff. Just yeah, you know what the first film did. So you know, here's kind of so it's kind of like they they prop up the things that the, the, the first movie did, but didn't add any more depth. Right. They just kind of they kind of took these. These multiple dimensions that the first film does, all the emotion, yeah, yeah. all the the depth, and just kind of just compressed it into two dimensions. There's a two dimensional thing, and it's like, oh well, it looks like the Ninja Turtles. Oh, they're eating pizza. They're joking around. There's the Shredder. There's the Foot Soldiers. But it didn't have that the grit. It didn't have that depth, right? So New York City at night, and here's the issue: uh, the, we have the bustle of the city. The 90s instrumental music, it sounds like a Ninja Turtles movie. Colorful credits, but for some reason, it's showing these different shots of people eating pizza. Everyone. Everyone's eating eating pizza. pizza. There's a couple (laughs) eating pizza. Construction workers are eating pizza. Uh, Police officers are eating pizza. What are we saying? It's a Ninja Turtles movie, everybody. Because they love pizza. Because they love pizza, right? And I'm like, again, we don't have to treat the audience so dumb. Right. The first movie, right. you wouldn't have known it was a Ninja Turtles movie unless, you know, you know, unless somebody told you. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of silly because, the, again, it's like they're saying, hey, this is a Ninja Turtles movie. I'm like, we don't need that. But if you want to, you know, it's very clear that from the start, it's going to be like pizza, yeah. tro- Ninja Turtle tropes. We don't need it's that. true. What made the last movie so great is that it began like some neo-noir crime thriller, you know? Which I guess I get if they said they wanted to go a more kids route. I understand why wow. they left that behind because I love it. Well, I mean, I love it too. But I mean that the the first one intro and mood appeals more to our adult sensibilities. But a kid watching this second one's like, oh yay! Like you know what I mean? I, yeah. I get. I I see where the lens has shifted from more adult to more child, and so yeah. it, and and it. That's not necessarily bad because it just depends on what you like. And like we like the dark and twisty stuff. We always have. Well, 
But a kid, you know, I don't know. I'm just saying. If the first movie, it makes, if they're aiming for that, they did it. If the first movie was like a a, a live action cartoon, then I would have accepted the second movie as, right, a, that's as the, a live action yeah, cartoon. Yeah, it's, it's that they switch lenses completely. Right. And we have to adjust. It's like so, a different pair of glasses. Yeah. We're not used to this. Well, in the midst of the problematic stuff, we actually, the, the first character we meet is actually, I think, one of the better parts of the movie. Yes. And that's Kino. Mm-hmm. That's Ernie Reyes Jr. He's a young pizza delivery boy who's just received a delivery order from April O'Neil, who is apparently this really regular customer. We can, we can imagine. <laughs> I wonder why. Right, right. <laughs> Kino's, Kino knows April, and on the way to delivering the pizza, he interrupts a robbery in progress. These guys are wearing like the, the stocking hat yes. over their heads. <clears throat> and Kino, we get right off the bat that he's brave. He stands up to the robbers, and when they attack him, he fends them off easily with martial arts. He's really good. So Kino can fight. However, he finds himself outnumbered when even more robbers kind of come out of the woodwork. I know. They have a very large network of like, robbers. It was like 35 of them. I was like, know? goodness. I mean, they must have put out like an ad or something. So Kino takes, takes on like I think three or four of them easily. But then here comes like 30 of them. And in a rather anticlimactic entrance, just out of the doorway behind him, <laughs> walk in the Ninja Turtles, disregarding their need to move through the shadows. Which was the first film. Yeah, yeah. They just kind of walk in and go, hey. We're, they we're ju- turtles. They jump up and freeze frame and the title shows up. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze. I, when, I, when I watched that, I just went, ah! Like, I just laughed out loud. I was like, oh my God. They just walked in. We're doing this. Okay. Yeah, they're just like, hey. It's <laughs> like, this is, okay. I'm, I, I get how it's going to be now. The turtles dispatch the robbers and it's clear that the turtle suits and puppetry have been updated. It, it doesn't look as much like the first film. It looks like they've, they've uh, I guess maybe with, with an increased budget. Yeah, yeah. My thing is don't fix it if it isn't broken. But, of course, humor has been turned up to 11 in this oh, fight boy. scene. Now, listen, in the first movie, they joke around while they're fighting. But they're it, supposed to. But it, You don't, you yes, don't lose that. They're kids. They are Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They're yeah, teenagers. They're, I mean, yeah. I mean, look, we, we love it with Spider-Man. We love it with the Ninja Turtles. You, you need But the they jokes. were able to weave that humor in yeah. with, with gritty, real combat and, and skill. Right. In this case, they're just... They're, it's slapsticky. They're, it's real slapsticky. Yeah, perfect. The turtles have Kino call the cops when they're done with the robbers, and while he's gone, they they tie him up, take their pizza, leave cash, and head on. They had, they had they had been the ones who placed the order anyway, right. right? We then show April Paige Turco arriving home to her apartment. Now again, she's not a bad April O'Neil. No. The problem is she's following Judith Hogue, who established the role in in a much better film. Yeah. April and the Turtles live together. Remember, this movie is picking up where the first one left off. Right. Uh, they can no longer live at the sewer because the foot discovered They were found out. They were yeah. found out. The cover was blown. So April's apartment has become a temporary haven for the Turtles and Splinter, who comes downstairs with a firm reminder that the Turtles are supposed to remain invisible. Mm-hmm. Another good part of this movie, anytime Splinter yes. is on the screen. Splinter, in these first two movies, is great. He's good in this movie yeah. too. He just always brings in the that that weight and that they bear right. as, as you and know Im- people that fight crime. And that's important to know when we get to the or end. Animals, yeah. excuse me. Raphael argues, "Why do we need to be invisible? We saved the city." Splinter offers wisdom, understanding that the turtles are young and they want to break out into the world, but that the world would not understand them. This is a good part. Splinter's still dad. Such a good message. His interactions with the turtles still have that magic. And this is also an understandable crisis. The turtles are brave, heroic, disciplined, but they're young. 
right? And they and they have to be restrained. The first film did so well creating this genuine, deep emotional struggle. Yeah, Teenage Mutant Ninja Two will only reference the depth mm-hmm. because it has to. It has to reference it. Yeah, instead of drawing from this well that the first film dug, like you know, you dig a well and like this gr- yeah. beautiful, crisp, cool water. Instead of drawing from that well and using that to fuel the story. They just kind of reference it. They just kind of point to it. It's like, oh, you know it's there, guys. But hey, here, here's some people eating pizza. Right. Here's some jokes. It's a Ninja Turtles well, movie, we right? Well, because cemented their relationships in the last one. The last film was all about the bond of family and what a real family was versus what it wasn't. And it doesn't have to. And, it, that and, it, does, but, and that's good. We lay this foundation. We don't have to talk about it all day long. But, but it did such a great, cool thing with them. That could have continued to fuel the yeah, story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That could have continued to fuel the story. I mean, let's take any story. Let's look at the Spider-Man stories. Right. Peter Parker has a struggle. The struggle is his personal life versus his life of responsibility as Spider-Man. Right. Which, I mean, that is that is the superhero struggle. He carries that struggle throughout. <clears throat> let's look at Sam Raimi's trilogy, you know, without getting too much into them. They use Peter, w- with all the problems that I think even Spider-Man 3 had, they are able to fuel the story using Peter's struggle. They didn't just stop at the first film. So this whole idea of the, this family bond, the struggles that the Turtles have being brothers, there's mm-hmm. four of them, they're different. They're very different. And their father, Splinter, who is in the twilight of his life, he's old. Yeah. And and then they want to get out there. Right, so he's having to try to, he's trying to, to manage them, trying to manage the immense amount of responsibility that they have. Uh, with, but then also their kids. With their youth. Essentially. Right. Yeah, and that was great in the first film. In the second film, it's simply just reference. It's like, hey guys, you know you got to be invisible, right? You know you're still kids. And I'm like, but they don't really get beyond the surface of it. So, <clears throat> meanwhile, at a landfill somewhere in the city, a hand with a bladed gauntlet rises from the pile of trash. <laughs> the shredder lives, right? Oh yeah, because they thought he was dead, right? Right. They, They're they, like, oh, we killed him. He fell in the, the trash compactor yeah, the, thing. Yeah, Casey Jones. Whoops, you know. <laughs> Master Tatsu is enraged over the thought that the Shredder is dead and takes control of the foot. He's in charge for a whole five seconds. I know, right? <laughs> the, Shredder, the Shredder returns. Different actor, too. Francois Chow p- plays the Shredder in this movie, replacing James Sato. And the Shredder, again, in the first movie, he did not have to do much. Right. He just, but because of the story and the writing and the presentation, Shredder didn't have to do much. Yeah. You almost liked that he didn't. But in this movie, he's and I. What I liked about the first movie with the Shredder is that he was this antithesis to Splinter. He would tell the Foot, "I am your father. I am your father now." Yeah, right? like they just they, like I said, they really played up that in this that it, trope. In this movie, he just becomes your standard two dimensional baddie. Right. The entrance to the Shredder is pretty basic. Again, it's a different actor. He he's not treated with the same pomp and reverence like when 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 uh, Tatsu in the first movie comes in and kind of like fixes his cape and they roll out the carpet for him and all that. Uh, it doesn't take this movie just doesn't have the magic. It only references it. The Shredder targets April in this movie because getting to her will mean getting to the turtles. He wants revenge, right? From right. the first movie. The next day, April is doing a report, and this is important. This is where we meet Doctor Jordan Perry, played by actor David Warner. Great actor. Uh, he is doing ecological work with a company called TGRI regarding a possible toxic waste leak in the city, a leak that is causing mutation of life forms. Uh-oh. So he's working with this company, TGRI, 
and apparently there's been a spill, and they're working to 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 clean things up. They uh, the people that are working on the site under Dr. Perry's supervision find these giant dandelions. Yeah, like giant. Yeah, they're massive. <clears throat> and and what do we know has grown and mutated because of some kind of response? Hmm. You know, some kind of re- <laughs> as a response to this to ooze mutagen ooze. Right. Well, the Ninja Turtles. So we're seeing a connection here. Now April interviews Dr. Pear. She's on. She's on. She's on this story. So this kind of introduces us to a subplot. Right. With this. With, with with this toxic leak that's causing mutation. Right. Splinter and the turtles see the report on TV, and Splinter sees something. Yeah. He, he goes off to meditate. We find that Dr. Perry and his team are excavating and removing leaking canisters of toxic material, material that was buried 15 years ago. Oh. How, how old are the Ninja Turtles? 15. They're 15, right? During this time, we also find that one of April's crew, a young man named Freddy, is a plant from the Shredder. Freddy finds these giant dandelions, too. And he takes one back to Shredder, who hatches a plan. Splinter calls a meeting. It's time to talk to the turtles about the fateful part of their past. The broken canister that Splinter has in his possession. He holds it up, you know. He holds this broken canister up that contained the mutagen ooze that turned them into mutant turtles and increased their intelligence. And it turned Splinter, too, into a a mutant rat with, with a high level of intelligence. The canister which Splinter thought was a singular canister, has been found to be a part of a, a larger collection that of, of yeah. which is what TGRI, the company, is cleaning up. Right. So, you know, we're able to follow this story pretty easily. Right. It's not, it's not hard to follow. No. April's upset because Dr. Perry was not forthcoming about what he was doing. Yeah, he just like, was like, I knew it. I knew he was up yeah, to something else. Yeah, he's like, oh, we're just doing ecological, <laughs> we're just doing ecological work, you know, we're... We're, we're, we're working on, you know, an ecological solution. And, okay. He doesn't really talk about the fact that they're covering up something that's causing problems. Right. Which, I mean, to be fair, it would freak people out if he came out with that. But. Right. But she's a reporter. She's got to know. Yeah, she wants to know, right? We then go to Dr. Perry in his lab, who, despite withholding information, is trying to do a good thing. He's trying to find and dispose of the ooze. Yeah. He's, he's, he doesn't appear to be a bad guy. However, as he prepares to destroy the last canister, he's attacked by Master Tetsu and the Foot, who steal the, one of the final canister right. before he can destroy it. So now Shredder has one of these canisters of ooze. Fantastic. Yeah, right. <laughs> the turtles arrive right after. Because, you know, after talking to Splinter and they've seen the guy on the news, they, 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 they put two and two together and go, okay, we need to find this Dr. Perry so we can find out what is it about this stuff that, that caused us to become what we are? Right. So there's about to be a convergence here. The turtles arrive to an empty lab, and they discover that there is an active canister of ooze remaining. This is the one that the foot has just stolen from Dr. Perry. The foot return in larger numbers and engage the turtles. There is a fight. Lots of slapstick. Yes. More comical than anything. And ends with the foot, in the end, making it out with the ooze. With the foot officially having returned... And, you know, the not completely defeated, obviously. The turtles decide, look, we got to move out of April's place for her, yeah. sa- for her safety. As they pack up, Kino arrives with a pizza and lets himself in. Yep. The turtles, who in the first film were able to quickly get out of sight. Remember, uh, was it uh, da- Danny? Yeah, yeah. Remember when Danny was in uh, April's place and they were able to kind of zip, zip into different oh, yeah, places? definitely. Well, suddenly they suck at hiding <laughs> because Kino finds them right away. Right. And then Splinter and the Turtles, of course, bring Kino in, sit him down, share the whole story. 
Kino wants to help. He's a good kid. Yeah. But Splinter refuses. You're young. You know, Splinter kind of feels like I, I, he's he's almost adopted another kid now. You have this you have this knowledge now. I, you have to be safe. You know, listen, my sons know how to fight. They've been doing this. They've been groomed yeah. to do this. You have not. It's too dangerous. So what's Shredder up to? Because he's got that that canister of ooze, right? right? Dr. Perry has been held hostage, if you remember. They took him and the canister. Right. He's forced to use the ooze to mutate two animals. <laughs> we don't know what they are yet. We just we just basically see him putting the ooze in, in, in these these cages or whatever, right. these pens. <clears throat> and and they're the foot apparently are hiding out now in this landfill. Meanwhile, of course, the turtles have moved out of April's, and they accidentally, as they're leaving, find an abandoned underground train station. It's a really cool set. Oh, I mean, it's like super cool looking. It is a cool layer. It's not the sewer, which we always, you know, well, yeah. connect the turtles but with. But it is but, subterranean. I yeah. mean, it's, you know, it's under. It immediately becomes their new home. It's it's like this abandoned train station. It's big. It's got some old trains. That they it's got cool, of, like, stained glass looking stuff. Yeah. I mean, I'd great. live there. It's yeah. cool. <laughs> April attempts to do her part by trying to blow the lid off of the TGRI toxic leak scandal. So she's kind of trying to work as a reporter to try to kind of, she's like, I'm going to do my part to try to figure out if I can figure, you know, find find out anything about this. Um, After a phone call filled with unnecessary hijinks with April, we (laughs) we find that Raphael is suddenly missing. You know, he's the one who kind of just goes off, you know. Yeah, he's the hothead. He's kind of the rebel, right? We then go back to the shredder. The results of his experiment are revealed when we have a snapping turtle and a wolf that have been um, mutated by yeah. Dr. Perry, you know, yeah. being forced to. We have Toka and Razor, T-O-K-K-A and Razor, R-A-H-Z-A-R. Sometimes he's pronounced uh, Razar. So yeah, Razar. Toka and Razar. He's, I think I've heard it pronounced both ways in the I movie. Know. A massive mutated wolf and snapping turtle emerge from their cells. The Shredder is... And they look just like you'd expect them to look in this movie, to be honest. Yeah, I mean... Shredder's enraged at first because actually Token Razor are, while big and menacing, they have minds of children. Yeah, because they were just born, essentially. Yeah, Shredder wants to destroy him. He's like, okay, this was dumb. Let's just kill him. Well, because the funny thing is, babies! Right. They are babies! Yeah. (laughs) So I was like, listen chill out because uh, <laughs> they but, call him mama and i'm sure that was very uh emasculating yeah and they like give shredder. shredder a hug and again this is a different uh, shredder would not the first shredder in the first movie he'd just he'd, he'd be like I, i'm gonna kill him right he now. would not countenance this kind no. of chicanery <laughs> you no know? and uh they they look the you know the the werewolf one he's not a werewolf but the wolf one he looks crazy but the snapping turtle reminds me of like a skexy Crossed with like yeah, and this Anguirus is, from God's yeah, and this is like uh, this is like you know Jim Henson of course Henson, yeah, it's Henson got a Henson look to it for sure. Shredder sees them, however, even yeah. though that they're like babies, though Shredder sees them demonstrate their strength yes. and, and and decides against it. He's like, well, wait, you know, I wanted to destroy them, right? But I think like Razor picks up like a like a tractor or something, right? I mean, there's obviously like, some uses. For okay, these well, maybe I can control them and use their brute strength, right? So we find out where Raphael went, though. Back to Raphael. Raphael goes and grabs Kino. Because Kino wants to help. Remember? Str- yes. Splinter's like, no, but Raphael's kind of like, hey, Kino. Hey, want- I got a willing participant here. Yeah, I got somebody who wants to yeah. you know, go off book with me, right? They hatch a plan against the wishes of Splinter. Kino will use his abilities to join the foot undercover. 
right. infiltrate them and work as a mole. With Raphael's help, he's able to join the foot. He kind of, you know, you know, he's good it's in martial very arts. Very clearly, not a super huge vetting process though for the foot. No, to be just, honest, yeah, it, you know, like, hey man, can you fight? Cool, you're in. So Raphael's kind of hiding while Kino's kind of getting in, infiltrating the foot. And while Raphael is in hiding, though, he catches a glimpse of the shredder, which spooks him. He's like, "Did I just see that?" Yeah, right? yeah. Which causes him to get distracted, and they end up getting busted by Master Tetsu. Yeah. Well, that's always Raphael's kind of tragic flaws that he's yeah, he gets his, his emotions derail his focus. Yeah, so we have a little bit of an understanding here about the different turtles, and you know, yeah, uh, you know, again, a, a little bit of going beyond the surface there, but not yeah. enough, you know. Very exciting. We start to get some layers. Yeah, but <laughs> it's not very much. Kino is able to. Get the word back to the guys, though, because remember they get busted. But he, he gets out. But Kino, Kino gets you know, out because Raphael's like, "Hey, go, go or I'm going to beat you up." Yeah, Raphael's able to kind of keep the foot at bay after they've been caught and get Kino out. But Raphael, of course, gets, gets jumped yeah. and captured and all that. <laughs> so, of course, here comes the rest of the guys, the other three turtles, to the rescue. Leonardo, Michelangelo, and Donatello arrive, find Raphael. And honestly, you would think they've never done this before. <laughs> they just kind of walk in, and they're like, oh, this is too... And even Leonardo, I think, is like, this is too easy. But, and again, in the first movie, Leonardo is young, but he's clearly the leader. Yeah, he, there, there is that element that, well, he's that the, seems to be missing He's here. the most disciplined. Yeah. But in this movie, it's like... He's just a turtle. They've all forgotten how to do it. They're all just acting like a bunch of bozos. That's actually one... Like Now, now, granted, I don't notice as many of the nuances that you do because you have such a, a deep understanding and love for it. However, that is one thing that I will say about this particular film. And it's not that these things aren't there, but they're not as solidifying. And what I mean is the the character the character differences in each of the turtles yeah. are not as pronounced and i and i think that no. for me i think that's they're there but not as they're pronounced they're yeah they're there and it's but it's only because i saw the first one and i know these characters yeah and it's and they and have that's to late to me and i'm sorry i don't mean to be ugly but that's that's lazy writing because you you don't ever want to assume that your audience just has blanket knowledge about your character. Yeah. You should always be surprising your audience, but you'd also always already affirm what you've, you know, set in stone before. So I yeah. I did that's one thing I kept looking for. I was like, I wanna and you have those moments where yeah. Raphael's being Raphael, Michael Anders being Michael Andrews, but I don't know, I want more. Because they have to be, again, they I have to more. point to it. Like at one part at one part, you know, Leonardo like agrees with, you know, when when all the guys have some kind of disagreement with Splinter, Leonardo agrees. So it's like, okay, well, we've got to do that because Leonardo's the most disciplined. Well, yeah. it, there's no real substance. It's just, let's just have him do something to kind of say... To remind the To audience, remind us. Yeah. Raphael, of course, goes off and rebels yeah. and, and does his own plan with Kino. Michelangelo jokes throughout the entire throughout, movie. Yeah. And Donatello later on is going to do some science stuff. Donnie doesn't do much in this, and that disappointed me because I always loved Donnie. But other than that, like you said... They again. They just reference. Mm-hmm. They just go. Oh, see, see, we did it. Yeah, and see, I th- and I think now that you mention that, the the, t- the only there's no two, purpose or substance, right? The only two that are cons- that are more consistent with their character traits are Raphael and Michelangelo because of the two. Those are the two easiest to show. Right. Somebody who's a hothead and somebody who makes jokes all the time. But That's y- easy. Donnie and Leo are more. La- they, I'm I'm sorry, but they are more layered because their stuff's not as easy to show. Right. And, and because this is a, a slapstick comedy. Yeah, there's not really room for that. And and like you said though, they really just they're like just four turtles. They're like all acting. A lot of times they're acting the same. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah, they're all you like. You could have changed their mask colors and you would have never known who was who because they're all acting like again, bozos. If that's a three student, that is a three student. So they, thing, so. so, so in trying to save Raphael, they walk right into Shredder's trap, which, which does, which again is, is just a stretch from how skilled they were in the first movie. Shredder's plan is, you know, he comes out, of course, and then there's the big reveal. Shredder is alive. All the turtles see him for themselves with their own eyes. Yep. And his plan is to, he's got the turtles caught in this net. Right. The three of them. Leonardo, Michelangelo. And Raphael's Dante, tied up somewhere else. Raphael's tied up off to the side. And his plan is to take the three that he's caught and drop them on a makeshift platform of, like, spikes that he's made out of items from the junkyard. Yes, as Mikey says, turtle kebab. Yep. The plan is foiled, of course, because Shre- uh, Splinter, excuse me, Splinter saves the boys, firing an arrow that releases the net, and then a fight, another fight ensues, a horde of foot soldiers versus the turtles. Shredder, who is probably more skilled in combat than anyone there with the exception of Splinter, just stands there. Does nothing. No. The first movie, he took them all on single-handedly, which makes total sense because Shredder is incredibly skilled. Right. The only one that can match him would be Splinter. So the thing about it is, He's just standing there. They took away his um, the fear of him. There was no fear of Shredder. No, he it was, was more just, just he. You know, what he, I hate to say it. He's kind of like a Rita Repulsa. Yeah. He's just like, ah, oh, crap. Yeah, My other gonna... thing was foiled. Let's try this. No. And I'm like, ah, that that I mean, makes me sad because Shredder was just so formidable yeah, well, in the can, first yeah, one. Yeah, and Shredder can pull the strings, but he can also set him down and actually do the work himself. That's what I mean, though. Like, yeah. you, you want a villain that obviously has people to do his thing. But then when he when he cracks his knuckles and is like it's time for me to step right. in, you're like, oh no! But no! But that's not the case with this one because of course the turtles begin. They're going to gain the upper hand on the foot soldiers. But then the shredder releases Toka and Razor, who demonstrate superior strength over the turtles. I mean, they one uh, think uh, one of them. I think maybe Razor throws Donatello like, uh, or maybe it's Toka. One of them throws Donatello like fifty like, yards, yeah, like through a building, like yeah. through a building, tosses him like a shot put. <laughs> <laughs> and he lands in one of the buildings in the landfill where he where he discovers Dr. Perry tied up. So Donatello right. releases Dr. Perry while the rest of the turtles struggle with Toka and Razor. Michelangelo is able to save the day because he discovers a sewer hole and they're able True. to escape with Dr. Perry. So the turtles are able to live to fight another day. Dr. Perry is fascinated by the turtles who he knows immediately have grown in size and intelligence due to their contact with the ooze. Right. They are able to get Dr. Perry back to the train station layer, where Dr. Perry is able to share with the turtles the backstory of the ooze. And this is another almost good part in the movie. Yeah. After hearing the story... <laughs> almost good part. Well, because, it, it again, it, 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 it attempts to dive deeper. It just doesn't go very far. Yeah. But it's yeah. an attempt. Donatello is saddened to find that their backstory was an accident. Yeah. This, I, I liked this part. So, essentially, like, they were this, this accidental science experiment. And this is probably, I would say, the best part of the movie, because it's a real crisis. But and again, and they're yeah, in their lives, like who yeah. are we? What are we? Splinter, who's also a product of this, yeah, but is much wiser, comes in to comfort his son, telling him, and he even says, he goes, "What's troubling you, my son?" And of course, Splinter, you know, Sweet we love Splinter. to see Splinter be Splinter, even if the movie's not great. Right. He tells he tells Donatello and the rest of his his children, despite you know, again, being a crappy sequel. An actual good message. He says, don't confuse the circumstances of your origin with your present worth. Oh. Like, don't do that. Like, That's don't, so weighty and good. He goes, just because your origin was some kind of mess, 
goes, look at what you are doing now. Look yeah. At, look at what you've come from. It's not where you start, right? It's mm-hmm. where you finish. It's 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 not how you start. Sometimes it's where you are and how you finish, right? Right. And I, that was just and to see. And I think it was. I think it it makes sense that that Donnie would be the one who was struggling with this because he's the science mind. He's the yeah. You know he he but, was. But but for him to say, okay, well, we're just reduced to an like you know a, a, a what is it ooze spill, right? That's they were hoping that their beginning. I had meant I thought more. I had some kind of purpose, but at the same time, like their beginning was simply well. Yeah, you know, we just needed a place to start, and now they're awesome. Because they have a purpose now, they felt like their beginning must have had one. Yeah, yeah. And and you know, and I we all, I think we all have moments of like I've come. You know, what can I do? I came from ABC background. Right. You know, right. But that's your background is only part of your story. Yeah, it doesn't dictate. And your it should. Story. Yeah, it doesn't define your story yeah. necessarily. So that was. I think that was a neat. Even though it was so brief, that right. moment of like it's such the best, depth. Yeah. Uh, but it, that's a wonderful message to send to kids, to adults, to anybody. But this film does not create an atmosphere conducive to moments like that. Right. So that felt out of place. Actually. Doing well. Right. So yeah. So this moment doesn't really have the power that it could have had because again, the movie isn't conducive to that. They've right. created a a slapstick, goofy situation. Well, the difference, and, and I think and I, we've talked about this in episodes before, but the difference between the first movie and this movie is the first movie. Was character driven. Yeah, we were following the issues and the concerns of our characters. Right. This is plot driven. Yeah. We have a bad guy. Mm-hmm. We got to fix it. And yeah. also, pizza's there. Right. So you know what I mean. So, it's Ninja so that, and that's and again, that's not actually a bad thing. I'm not saying that it's a bad thing, but it does create a different formula. So yeah. when you have a plot driven movie. All you're looking for are plot devices. Yeah. You're not your your characters are just along for the ride that you've yeah. already carefully cre- uh, you know curated. And you can't, but a character driven story, you might not know where it's going to go because you don't know whatever your character's dealing with. That's just where right. you're going to go. And you don't you can't so. right. And you can't give me something so wonderful like you gave me in the first movie, and then make the second movie, which is completely different, and then tell me it's like the first movie, yeah. which is what I felt like they were doing. It's like you can't serve me something so incredible, <laughs> right? And then the next day I come back and it's like, here it's just like the first one, and it's, it ab- not. it's not. But you're you're trying to convince me that it is. When yeah, it's and so I not- think this is a this is a debacle that that um, sequels fall into all the time. Well, it's a problem fair. I think when people who don't understand what's established try to do something, and you know this is what happens when execs and studios and you know come in. And they want to do what they want to do mm-hmm. yeah. because for them it's about making money, not necessarily about, I think, staying true and loyal to an established story, which was so great. Right. At any rate, moving on, uh, Donatello is not satisfied by, you know, he, he's young, you know, he's he's getting good wisdom from Splinter, but he's not satisfied. Splinter urges them, listen, despite how you feel about this now, excuse me, despite how you feel about this, we have a present problem. Shredder has this ooze, and he's mutated two creatures, and, you know, we've got to focus on this. Right. And, of course, he's right, because while this is happening, the Shredder sets Token Razor loose on the city where they begin destroying property. The next day, the police, led by Chief Stearns, who, it's Raymond Sarah, he's returning. He was the same guy that would yeah, scream yes. at, um, <laughs> you know, that April O'Neil did so well getting under his skin in the first movie. Oh, yeah. He's uh, he's returned from the first film, surveying the damage. April's on the scene and tries to find out more from Stearns, 
who just doesn't really have answers. April tries to kind of pull Stearns aside. She kind of tries to, you know, off the record. Yeah, yeah. She kind of tries to be like, hey, listen, I think I know what this is. And he's like, what is it? And she's like, uh, and she can't really she, say. I know, she, she, she gives him, like, the worst slash well, no information. She struggles to articulate the problem because she knows Stearns won't believe her. Yes, and she also has to be careful because yeah. she doesn't want to, you know, tell on the turtles, basically. Right. And so she has to back off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After the report, April is accosted by two foot soldiers, and then one of them reveals that it's Freddy, who was oh, a plan. Oh, dear. Yep. He has a message. They don't do anything to April other than just say, you need to send a message to the turtles. A final showdown in Central Park. April heads to the turtle hideout, breaks the news. The turtles have no choice but to agree. April, of course, fears the turtles have no chance, but Dr. Perry has an idea. Yeah. I, real quick, again, though, this goes with what we've been saying. The fact that they were just like, got a message. Like, I feel like that just shows, again, the threat is not as big as it should be. Uh-huh. I feel like they should have taken April or something. If we were, you know, yeah, going to establish, like, this is a bad dude. Like, you know, I don't know. The, the plan, Maybe I yeah. just wanted there to be more trouble i guess so but the plan is you know shredder wants to face the turtles he knows you know he, he wants to have this big showdown yeah and he just wants again he wants april just to get them to show up there right and of course that the, the, they do they that they, they do they do agree to, to to do it they feel like they have no choice there's these two monsters tearing everything up but at any rate <laughs> the final showdown okay so uh let's talk a little bit about that and what builds up to it so dr perry and donatello both the scientists are yes, yes. working together uh, they make a, a chemical mixture. Kino is there. He's helping. They're all in the turtle's hideout. While they're making this mixture, Michelangelo accidentally drops a slice of pizza in it, of course, because he's got to be an idiot. What what we find <laughs> is happening, though, is that Dr. Perry is making anti-mutagen right. to reverse the effects, of the, the effects of the ooze, which should turn Toka and Razor back into a regular snapping turtle. And a regular wolf. Yes. We also find that Dr. Perry, you know, he's not bad at all. He's not, he's not some mad scientist again. Uh, he was forced to create Token Razor, but he actually mentions he specifically made them intellectually inferior so they wouldn't be as dangerous. Nice. Okay. Smart. The plan is for the turtles to get Token Razor to ingest the anti-mutagen. It's like a, it's like a little... Michelangelo has yeah, this idea ice to, cube, not to, ice cube, to, to make it in like an ice cube tray. T- for an, format yes. and put them in donuts. Which... I mean, okay. good job, Mikey. That, I mean, it involves that, food, so would, it's still true to form. They would do that on the cartoon. Right, and I want to point out two things about this uh, scene that are very iconic. For me, 90s. One, the Bart Simpson glass that they oh, put in. Oh, yeah, of course. And two, the fact that part of that pink liquid that my... Why can't you just call it pink? It looks like a bottle of amoxicillin. Right. And every 90s kid remembers when you were sick and you had that weird test tube yeah, thing bu- that you stuff. take the p- bubblegum amoxicillin with. Right. Our own son's taking it right now. So yeah. I was like, oh, okay. Because when I first saw that, I was like, ew, amoxicillin. Like, yeah. So just had to point those two things out. Thank no, you. That's Carry good. on. So <laughs> the turtles go to, I guess, the Foot's hideout. They don't really sit, they don't go to Central Park. They go to some building and the Foot appear with Shredder. I don't know. <laughs> Wait. Da- they don't. I don't know if they called and said, hey, we're changing the location. Okay, okay, we'll be there. I don't know. <laughs> you know what? Central Park's taken. <laughs> well, I just realized that. I was today yeah, years old. The turtles go to the Foot's hideout, maybe? I don't know. They go somewhere. They go and, and, not and, to and, a park. And, and the Foot and Shredder appear. And, of course, Token Rays are released. But the turtles say, oh, wait, we got to have the ceremonial pre-combat donut. And Shredder's like, okay. I just feel like they Shredder just, would absolutely no, know that, that was crap. He would be like, what are y'all... No. 
Because uh, Shred- Shredder and Splitter Lake. I don't know. And, uh, anyway, so Michelangelo has a box of donuts containing the ooze in, in like ice cube form. The turtles are able to, in view of Shredder, Master Tatsu, the foot, give token Razor the donuts. They each eat one. But Razor discovers the ruse. It's, they're supposed to be stupid, but he discovers it. A fight ensues. And this fight, another fight, and this fight crashes into the Dock Shore Club, which is in which is in the middle of a full-on dance party. Yes. And performing on stage is none other than Vanilla Ice. Yes. Who is still enjoying, again, his brief window of superstardom. <laughs> the crowd thinks this is all part of the show. Right, and, so they're know, here for it. Vanilla Ice and his entourage, they kind of stop, like, oh, what's going on? You know, and... Uh, you know, again, the crowd thinks that, oh, oh, wow, look at these costumes, right? And Vanilla Ice, suddenly, he kind of is like, oh, I have an idea. I know his face, I love watching his face. He starts yeah. moving like, yeah, it's like okay, he, yeah. I got something coming. Just hang yeah. on, guys. And of course. And then he, <laughs> he just begins rapping the song Ninja Rap. So that's going on. But also, the Ninja Rap, he has information. Yeah, you mentioned this. I was, this bothered me. And I was like, okay, not bothered, but if anything, it was it was kind of delightful because at this point, what else can happen? Yeah, what does he say? I was, he's, uh, yeah, look at the lyrics because he basically is giving exposition about who the turtles are. Yeah. He should not be aware of any of it. Yo, it's the green machine going to rock the town without being seen. Without being seen. That's what I'm going to say. How do you know they don't need to be seen? One, because you're seeing them right now in this moment. Yeah, and, and then later on he says... Um, Gonna rock and roll the place with the power of the Ninja Turtle base, so he knows that they're called Ninja Turtles. Right. So here's my issue. So, so I have a hypothesis. Then either Vanilla Ice is breaking the fourth wall and we're just enjoying it, or he is actually an omniscient narrator and knows all the things, and he is here to provide us with. The Once song. again, I think it what it shows. <laughs> what it shows is that in this movie, they're not concerned about that the mythology, uh, the mythology or the no. authenticity. They're not even concerned about this massive plot hole that here is a rapper who knows more about. <laughs> The turtles. The turtles than anyone else. Right. Which, again, if they just wanted to make a good time, they did it. It's fine. Yeah. But you're talking to Toby here, who the, has... Who, who saw who the first a, movie. Who is a... No. Who is a purist, and you won't let things slide like this. The so, fact that the fact that they we had... We have to all The fact that they that. had Vanilla Ice in this movie <laughs> tells us that they were absolutely going Gimmicks. for a more gimmicky commercial route. You know, and that's, Which, I'm not saying anything. It's not bad or good, but it's but just a, di- a big departure, for, as we said in the very for, beginning. Yeah, for us 90s enthusiasts, though, it's all part of the magic of the 90s. Yes. You know, Vanilla Ice is part of that. Um, but anyway, so that's happening. You know, Vanilla Ice is rapping while they're fighting. And I'm here for it, man. That's a bop. I love that yeah. song. Token and Razor, during the fight, are burping uncontrollably. And I, I remember it had been a long time since I'd seen the movie. So when I saw I this, like, I was Toby, like, Toby, what is happening? I was like, I think they're going to explain the burping. You know, it's it's due to ingesting the the retro mutagen. Dr. Perry arrives to the dance club and informs Donatello that the burping is actually slowing down the anti mutagen process. So the burping, I yes, guess, it's is carbon. Di- it's the what is it? What do you say? Well, he I, I, really I, I don't know the, the, they're releasing carbon dioxide, I guess, yeah, which yeah, they're supposed it. to be in, ingesting it. I, I they exp- you Nothing could, makes sense. You could tell it was just like, we got to explain this somehow. Right. Because otherwise, it's just like this is just part of what they do. The burping is slowing down the process. They have to be giving, they, they need to be injected with carbon dioxide to speed the process of retro mutation back up. Right. So Dr. Perry sees an idea. He, see, he has an idea. He sees it. He grabs a CO2 fire extinguisher that's in the club and he gives it to the turtles. Meanwhile, back at the turtle hideout, Splinter has Kino meditating but Kino can't deal with it he wants to get out and fight Splinter protests but Kino says look you can't make me stay and he goes no I can't you know again Splinter's wise Kino goes anyway and the dance club scene we're back there 
it's a mess. We it's like you love and hate to see it. It's you, a, you it's gotta the, watch. It's the car wreck that you shouldn't yeah. look at, but yeah. you do. You got Vanilla Ice having a concert, and the turtles kind of fighting Toka and Razor when they're not goofing around. Right. Uh, they, they get the two monsters on their back though, and the turtles are able to and bl- forcibly, really scarily looking. Yeah. And the crowd's just like, yeah. I know. I was like, is this a Roman Colosseum or is this like? Because to me, it looks so scary. Yeah. Them sticking these things in their mouths. And by the way, the fashion choices are all on point. Yeah, it's great. The, the crowd clothes. is look just, at the clothes. It's the, the best crowd part is it. nailing it. Uh, I need to do like a freeze frame on each outfit that I love. So the fire extinguishers is able to neutralize the the Toka and Razor. The foot crashed the party, and after quickly dispatching the foot soldiers, the turtles then begin dancing in the club. Shredder has not been dealt with. No. They, they immediately seem to forget that they they have not completely are, yeah. dealt with their threat. Even Dr. Perry is dancing. Yes. I mean, yeah. he, is, he is like living his best life. He's yeah. like, you know what? I'm, I'm letting my hair down. And man. the turtles don't stop there, you nope. know, Mm-mm. completely forgetting about the first movies established about everything that has happened of, of prior being to this. invisible practicing the art of the ninja they get on stage but again i mean you can chalk that up to teenagers and they've they've they just had a major victory they're yeah, excited it, so i mean like there's uh, there's some reasons yeah. they might have done it well, they don't get to have fun for long the, sh- the shredder shows up <clears throat> who threatens the turtles and with future mutants because he still has more of this ooze but kino arrives and actually does some good. He, yeah. kick, he kicks those out of Shredder's hand. It's picked up by Dr. Perry. Shredder then takes it's this... It's dumb luck, though, because yeah. he comes in with zero context and just makes a choice. Yeah. Shredder <laughs> takes this random partygoer, this woman, yeah. hostage, and reveals that he has a dose of the ooze still in his possession, his little test tube. Kino is enraged, and he tries to go at Shredder again. There's a scuffle. Kino falls into the Shredder. The hostage is able to get away, and then the turtles crank up an amplifier using a guitar... A keytar. <laughs> Sorry, keytar. A guitar. Anyway, they blast the shredder out of the dance club with this massive sound wave. That's hilarious. I love that. Just th- that they use a keytar, man. Yeah. What well, a great. You, you gotta, at this that's point. That's an iconic 90s at moment this point, right there. At this point, you just have to ride the wave. I'm it's here like, okay, for the ride, At this though. point, we can't be shocked anymore. <laughs> the turtles leave Kino back at the club saying, listen, we gotta go make sure Shredder's done with. Stay behind. Uh, as they leave, they see a regular wolf and snapping turtle sitting on the floor, harmless, unmutated. Token Razor have been switched back. The Shredder is nowhere in sight when they get outside, which is on this dock area. Yeah. Um, the turtles think that they've won the day, but they are wrong. The Shredder emerges, but things are worse. He's ingested the dose of ooze himself and has mutated into, as Donatello coins the term, a super Shredder. He's much larger. He's much stronger. And has more armor. Somehow his armor has mutated. Yeah, yeah. So it's more a, spikes. The mute, the mutagenous, I guess, also takes. Um, you know, I guess anything makes it bigger. Yeah, who knows? But um, this is Kevin Nash, the the wrestler. Kevin Nash plays the Super Shredder. So right, this right, is right, where right. Kevin Nash is in the movie. <laughs> However cool the Super Shredder could have been, we don't know. <laughs> because he lasts a total of maybe ten to fifteen seconds. I know it's, it, this should be a really big problem. Instead it's of really not. instead of actually fighting the turtles, he just begins to destroy the dock. <laughs> so any kind of effectiveness <laughs> that the ooze could have had for the shredder could have any kind of advantage it could have given him it's negated by the fact that he basically destroys himself. He just takes it out on trees. There's no fight. <laughs> he simply destroys the dock, causing it to collapse on him, and it kills him. I don't. Th- the turtles. I, I realized that until all you the said yeah it. <laughs> all the turtles had to do was simply run away, and they do. 
But although I feel like they should have learned by now that things just falling on Shredder doesn't always guarantee they should have maybe checked. Right. Just uh, in my analytical mind. All right. Well, the bottom line is it's the end of the Shredder, which is kind of not a smart thing to do since he is the most important arch enemy. But okay. It's fine. All right. Again, what else can happen? What else can we destroy? All right. Now, we've already killed the spirit, I think, that the first movie said. But <laughs> back at the hideout, something kind of dumb happens. Really? <laughs> Splinter is watching April O'Neil give a report about the disappearance of TGRI, the company. It's suddenly gone. Now that the ooze has been... We've dealt with that. Yeah, it's been dealt with. The last canister, Dr. Perry got it and, and obviously deactivated it, destroyed it, whatever, disposed of it. Um, April reads a letter from Dr. Perry thanking Leonardo, Raphael, Michelangelo, and Donatello. Oh, dear. This is irresponsible. Yes. And highly... She should, why'd she read it? Highly unlike April, who understands that the turtles need to be invisible, but she's just reading that on the news. Splinter is exasperated. He actually goes, oi, like, oh, God. The turtles return home triumphantly with Splinter asking if they were seen. By this point, everything's a joke, even yeah. lying to their father. He, he said, were you seen? He goes, no, we practiced ninja. The turtles claim they were not seen. Splinter holds up a newspaper, a picture of the turtles, and the headline, Ninja Rap is Born. <laughs> not the fact that they saved the city. Oh not God. the fact they stopped the Foot Clan again. But that is what would be a headline, to be fair. Ninja Rap is Born. And he says, practice harder. Splinter punishes the turtles by having them do backflips. And then says, go ninja, go ninja, go. And comments that he made another funny. Freeze frame. So here's Splinter. And with that, the ship sinks, as I said. <laughs> Splinter was our last bastion of seriousness <sighs> about this story. And there he goes, making light of the fact that they just blew their cover. Not fighting even. It wasn't like you happened to save someone and you got caught. <laughs> it was you were on stage with Vanilla Ice. Right. You can't get any more famous than that. So the Turtles, the time. 15 years of practicing ninjutsu, being invisible, and Vanilla Ice, and you blow it. Good job <laughs> to both of them. The film freeze frames. Vanilla Ice and you. Oh, God. Yeah. The film freeze frames with the turtles back flipping and the credits I roll. made another funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, know. I cannot tell you how many times in my young life I would always say, I made a funny after anything, uh, saying so. anything. I'm sure it was annoying. I apologize uh, to all my friends in the night. So there is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, Secret of the Ooze. We will be doing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. I'm not sure when, but we do need to do the third movie. Yeah, we got to finish strong. Uh, I do need... We will try to finish. Well, films. <laughs> we need to finish. <laughs> um, Excuse me. <laughs> yeah, Teenage Mutant. I misspoke. Ninja Turtles three. I do believe came out in ninety six. I know it's a nineties movie. Yeah. Um, ninety three. Excuse me. <laughs> wow, much earlier than I thought. And uh, I was gonna say I didn't think you. We think will. It went that um, long. Now that we've been through this movie, uh, you know, I, I I think it's not going to be a surprise about what we're going to find with this next one. So we will do that. <laughs> uh, it's forthcoming. Uh, not next week, but definitely coming. Um, I do have something exciting to talk about. Uh, we are going to do Ninja Turtle pies, though. Yes, uh, we got the ingredients. Uh, these are Hostess came out with those Ninja Turtle pies in the nineties. Yeah, you know when at the height of Ninja Turtle popularity, which Ninja Turtles are still popular. Oh yeah, but but you know when I they, mean it's a it's a Nickelodeon show now. Right. It's, it's been through several different yeah yeah. But when they were they will always be with us. But when they were new and fresh, you know, uh, they did the 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 pudding pies, the fried pies with the yep. with the they were green and. I, I remember those. And people have tried to replicate them, so the tape store is going to try to replicate them. Yes, we'll have to do some kind of oh, something, yeah. some kind of post, so video, we're, we're, whatever. I'm looking forward to doing that, and we'll see how that goes. At any rate, uh, 
we have been going for about an hour, and if you've been with us, hey, we've had a blast. We appreciate you. We appreciate your time. We appreciate our viewers and our listeners. And, uh, you know, we hope you've enjoyed this trip down memory lane. Uh, Brooke, why don't you tell them where they can find us, uh, and we can... Alrighty. Uh, if you are on up. Instagram, that's kind of where we, we do the most of our hanging out and, and conversing with people. We're there uh, at the tape store. We are also on TikTok uh, by the same name. If you are on Twitter, we're the tape store pod. And if you'd like to shoot us an email, we always love hearing from you guys, no matter what it's about. Uh, it's the tape store podcast at gmail.com. Of course, I always like to remind you guys, you know, if you have a moment, an opportunity, please leave us a rating. That always means a lot. We always appreciate that. And, um, yeah, it just, you know, lets us know we're doing a good job and, you know, maybe might, you know, bring some other listeners in, you know, that, that really might want to go take that journey with us, you know. But we appreciate you guys. We really do. And give us a shout-out on Instagram. We love talking to our listeners. We really appreciate you guys. You guys have been the best part about this thing. So. Absolutely. Um, any any parting words before we go? I think we talked about, you know, I know we went through the film. We talked about what we really enjoyed. Obviously, you know, um, as much as I didn't like and didn't really, as much as I didn't like where this movie went, I still do appreciate and love laughing about, you know, the dance club scene. Oh, yeah. That's the best part. As I was cooking breakfast this morning, I was singing the Ninja Rap song. So, (laughs) I mean, those things have, have, they're in my heart, you know. Yes, of course. I just, I can't help but think what could have been, you know. I just can't, yeah. But uh, we, we hope you guys uh, enjoyed it. And, and it's okay to enjoy Ninja Turtles too. The Secret of the Ooze. It's okay to enjoy it. You know, oh, I'm, gosh, yeah. Not, Toby's you know. just, he, you know. I love that first movie. It's the same thing that happened with Godzilla. It's yeah, this kind, it is. It's that kind of thing. But hey, <laughs> well, you know, we, we, we were able to get some good things out of that as well. So Yes, of course. Well, guys, we enjoyed it. We're going to go ahead and close the doors, and we'll see you next Thursday with more great 80s and 90s nostalgia at the Tape Store Podcast. And please be there. We, we want you there. This is Toby. And this is Brooke. All right. Take care, everybody. Bye.